What are the three most important things you need in order to build strong client relationships? Would you like a simple step-by-step system for converting 4X to 6X more sales? Join Joe and Dean for a conversation with Alex Mendozian that covers these topics and more. Since 1993, Alex has generated almost $400 million in sales and profits for his marketing students, clients, and strategic alliance partners in five continents. His colleagues acknowledge him as the Warren Buffett of the internet because of his unique ability to make monies for his partners, clients, and students. If you would like access to the complete presentation, the show notes, the links, and the special resources for this episode, please visit ilovemarketing.com forward slash 322. That's ilovemarketing.com forward slash 322. I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. It's Dean Jackson and Joe Polish, and welcome to I Love Marketing. I do love some marketing. <laughs> We've got a very special guest with us. Yeah, yeah uh, well, so does so does Alex Mendozian. Who's our I was going to say guest. this is one of our. Uh, yeah, we, he's a verified, bona fide, certified marketing lover from way back, an OG marketing lover. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, Alex, what part of the country are you in right now? I'm in the Bay Area, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. I, th- I think I fell in love with marketing around the same time you guys did. So I think so. We looked at, we, we looked at the same things at the same time. We go way back. Yeah, yeah. We've known each other for over uh, uh, 20 years. And so yeah. and here's here's one thing I have to mention too though. And and this is where we got to give Alex like a lot of credit. Uh I started my very first podcast uh with Alex in 2005. And we mm-hmm. were doing it for seminars and for the cleaning industry. And you could probably find those episodes way back when. And I think that's when it was, right Alex, around 2005. Yeah, I don't even know if they called it podcasting back then, but it was 2005. No, it was podcasting. It definitely was podcasting. Yeah, it was right when, because uh, that was when, you know, the guy from uh, Little Known Fact, that guy from uh, MTV, is the one that coined that phrase, uh, podcast, cause to, to right. go with the iPod, you know, because you could download it onto your iPod. And that was a, uh, so that's kind of a little known uh I what remember is his the guy's name? name now. I, I was going to say I mean, he, he did the man. He did it. He, he worked with uh, Doctor Drew. Yeah. Who did the forward to my new addiction book that's coming out in uh, June of this year, The Miracle Morning Forever for Addiction Recovery, sold. which is a well, yeah, it's so funny. Adam Carell. Yeah, Adam Carell. There you go. That was his name. So, Alex, for people that don't know who you are and what you do, let's kind of at least give some background of of who we're talking to. I could talk a lot about you because there's all kinds of amazing things but we'll get into all of that but uh how should people know know of you and what should they know before we launch into this well after 25 years my mother still doesn't know what i do but i started (laughs) in the 1990s which is bg before google and i uh transferred from the infomercial and spot tv qvc hsn 
you know, direct response television, electronic marketing business. I went from there to internet marketing in the mid nineties because it was less expensive. I could sit on a website for like an hour and that would cost me sixty, seventy thousand dollars for an infomercial. It costs more now, you know, to view it. And um on on the internet it was more interactive. We could get feedback instantly, which is so important with marketing. And so, you know, I got hooked with digital marketing before Google was even around. And search engines back then, Dean, you may remember Northern Lights and there were others yeah. that people don't even you know, Yahoo was a big deal. Um, I remember how excited I was about GoTo.com, yeah, which exactly. was the very first pay-per-click search engine. And exactly. uh, yeah, the precursor to all these other ones. Yeah. And so um, going into the, the 21st century, um, I moved to uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. My son, Gabriel, was born and then my daughter two years later. And the bubble burst here in the, in the big dot-com world. So uh, in 2001, I decided to go in from consulting. I started from consulting a company called One Shopping Cart, which some people may know of, and helped a guy named Rob Bell. Oh, do you? Yeah, well, Rob Bell, who was the CEO, I helped him build it and, and sell it. And um, I don't have a, um, a One Shopping Cart anymore. We went to Infusion, but that was like the Infusion of its day. That was the entreport of its day. But then in 2001, I, I started with uh, info marketing and I um, developed a course called marketing with postcards, which was bought by a lot of uh, digital marketers who are well-known today, Ryan Dice being one of the most notable. And I got out there selling a book um, and a three ring binder, of course, with a CD in Full 2001. Full color, by the way. Full, Full color, color, yeah. Glossy paper. Well, the controversial thing was it was $250 and Corey Rudel, you know, rest in peace and others of his day were selling $20 ebooks. So I always went towards the high end because I knew that yeah. it was just as easy or hard to sell, but you'd get, you know, 10 times more um, profit and a higher value client or student. And so that morphed into a bunch of secrets courses, traffic conversion secrets. Uh, Joe and I did stick strategy secrets, which we're going to bring up the 2.0 version uh, this year. Which early was killer, next year. by the way. Yeah, it, yeah, it was killer then. Still all is. Those I think. Things, that's what I was just going to say. Is all of those things are absolutely still. Uh, still well, well, they yeah. Are. I mean, with the uh, with the program that, like, Stick Strategy Secrets is an example. That program has made so many very well known, successful, you know, marketers, consultants, thought leaders of today, millions. I mean, a lot, a lot of people mm-hmm. can. Trace back, you know, from Evan Pagan in the early days to, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you you name it. I mean, Brendan Bouchard, uh, you know, all kinds. I mean, even the stuff that. Uh, yeah. Um, Wait. You would morning. see Russell you Russell Brunson doing again? with. Hey, quit interrupting here for a moment, Dean. Uh, so all these. See how excited he is, Alex. This is how, this yeah, is how yeah. he gets. He just gets really excited. He can't finish his sentence. He's very, very hurtful like that. No, but uh, so, yeah, like, you know, Russell, all these free recorded messages, all these stickers, all these drives to websites. I mean, that's all the stuff that me and Alex were teaching in Stick Strategy Secrets, like back in 2003. And a lot of people don't even realize the origins of so much of that stuff, which Alex was a total pioneer with so many of the things with, I mean, one of the best in the world at teleseminars. I mean, you name it, but no, keep going, keep going, Alex. And, well, and that was D- the next- Let's, let's make sure 
Dean, let's just make sure Dean doesn't want to. Uh, you, say want something. Feel, you want me to feel? You want me to feel? He can interrupt me. Feel hurt. Dean's smarter than I am, so anytime you, can, you want to interrupt. But uh, no, tell us some of our secrets. Those warning labels, the warning labels on any digital pack. I mean, just that one alone of having that on yeah. before you open this call and listen to this pre-recorded message is just what a way oh. to shape the unboxing. You know? Yeah. Don't break open the box until. You do this, and they forgot about purchasing it. They're not in that visceral, emotional state, yeah. right? This is going back to stick strategies. And then they hear your voice. So you mm. get them back into state before they open the box. So their heart is in a different place when they're seeing what's inside. And that's the key, framing it, because the frame is everything, which is really the topic for today in all selling aside, is the frame determines how well you sell, enroll, or influence you know, someone else. But um, because I was... You know, I'm a dad, and back then my kids were young. I didn't want to travel a lot, which prevented me from going to a lot of masterminds, and I think ultimately hurt me because I'm coming back now because I'm my kids are older, and they've forgotten my name except when they want money, right? And so mm. they, <laughs> when we do teleseminars, I didn't have to leave the home, and so um, I taught that course for many years, and a lot of notable um, marketers, Vishen Lakhani, Russell Brunson, Telman Knutson, a lot of people went through that course, Evan Pagan. Um, and they're all secrets courses. John Reese gave me the domain. Um, he had actually paid 600 bucks for it. And I ended up making 14 million bucks from it over the years, you know, until we retired it. And uh, Jeff and John Walker did our final launch. And then they went on to do their own, uh, the product launch formula, which has been a huge success. But every course I've done has been within the secrets category, uh, trap, you know, traffic conversion secrets, web communication secrets. And so fast forward into um, this year, 2018, and I have conversion secrets. And I never thought I'd be doing this, but conversion secrets is probably the second most important thing to traffic. And the traffic people say, no, conversion is the most important thing. <laughs> so the, the good converters say, no, it's traffic. Traffic people say, no, it's conversion. And really, it's a it's a matter of a conversation, either done digitally, auditorially, visually, or physically, you know, face to face. And all selling aside, you end up generating a sale and hopefully having a funnel where people ascend. And the only challenge I have with a funnel, um, nothing against Russell, I've always told him this is the thing that a, a marketing funnel does not have that a real funnel does which has sand or water going through it, is the only way a funnel works is with gravity. So what's the gravity for a marketing funnel to pull that candidate all the way through to become evangelically married to your products and services for life? And I think that has to do with the conversation and the relationship capital that lubricates that process and just brings them through. And that's, I think, one thing that's not talked about. So I launched a podcast called All Selling Aside for people who hate to sell, <laughs> who don't have any high-end clients and don't make six figures. I mean, it's good for others, but I focused on them because I think they're the, they're the forgotten coach or consultant or service professional where you know they fear rejection. It's not comfortable for them. Maybe they feel like it's manipulative. And um, I'm, I'm addressing that part of the population, which I've been ignoring, and I'm a little, I feel a little guilty about it. And... Um, now I'm getting to, you know, scratch that itch. So that's my 300-second 1995 to 2018 evolution. 
<laughs> so so wait, so just so uh that's good. Thank you. Uh, so why did you call it all selling aside? I mean, go deeper into that name. Well, um I was in a mastermind in um uh, in Montreal. Well, a friend of mine was putting on Danny Eine, and there was another guy in the room who I just met. Um he's he's co-founder of uh, Baby Bathwater Institute, Michael Lovich. And I was talking about this idea a couple of years ago. Like I wrote the business podcasting Bible with Paul Culligan, and here I am. I don't have a real podcast. I have a weekly show on you know, Facebook Live, and I've done through webinars and teleseminars, but I didn't have a podcast. So I said, I got I to gotta, you know, sew the holes in my kid's shoes. I'm the cobbler, right? And I'm not eating my own cooking. So I said, here's the idea. And he said, why don't you call it all selling aside? I said, that's pretty good. So I went, I registered it. It was available. And so all, the podcast is devoted to hardworking coaches and consultants, service professionals who hate to sell. And so the premise is storytelling is the new selling. And instead of closing, do the seating. And then they'll close themselves. Jeffrey Gittimer says, you know, people hate to be sold, but they love to buy. So that's mm-hmm. the premise for people who are afraid to sell. And I figured there's so many of them. Maybe I'll get an audience. Maybe not on this show, but on other shows. <laughs> there are a lot of people who hate to sell. Yeah. Well, yeah, well you know, I we just say, I mean, we talk about marketing as really the setup for uh, that, you know, that brings people into a point where, you know, the selling is easy and often unnecessary, you know, where right. you, if you can you know, take a marketing approach, it's really, it's interesting because selling, you know, when you look at the, um, the things that go into it. I have run into that same situation where people are selling a verse, right? And I always look at it as taking and engineering the interaction with one person. What would it take to have a dialogue, an actual, you know, conversational journey with one person from they don't know you they, uh, you know, all the way through to them becoming a client. And so, you know, it's really, I look at it that people talk about know you like you trust you, but they always read that as one statement, know you like you trust you, right? All blended. And I think that where we really have the opportunity is if we approach them individually, like know you full stop, like you full stop, trust you full stop, you know, that you've got each one of those is a win to take it from somebody who doesn't know you to now they know you. That's a, that's a progression, you know, and now that they know you, do they like you? And I think a lot of that goes with are, is what you're saying resonating? Are you, are you getting and joining in on the conversation that's going on in their mind, and are you, through those conversations, evidencing that this is trusty, right? That are other, what are other people saying about this? What what other results are people getting? And I think you can totally do all of those things without a, um, you know, without feeling like you're just trying to get people to buy right now. That's really the biggest. Um, that's, that's where, that's that's where selling, yeah, that's like where if, selling becomes distasteful. If you or Joe, if you, Dean or Joe said, Alex, 
um, I'm going to ask you something that I just need you to say yes first to get it out of the way, and then I'll make my request. Um, I want both of you to know that we, we call that the uncompromised yes in my tribe. Like you can, mm. the, per, the person knows you so well. You have such relationship capital. Like I can do that. I haven't thought about both of you, but I can do that with over 85 people and well-known people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ivan Meisner, Jack Canfield, you know, like big names, John Gray, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and if they know you well enough, if they like you well enough, if they trust you well enough, if, and then there's another component. They need to understand you. They need to believe you, too. Because you, mm-hmm. you can tell the truth, but still not be believable. But if mm-hmm. both of you ask me, I need, I need you to say yes, and let's get that out of the way, I would say yes. Because you, you and I, Dean and Joe, you and I have enough relationship capital where why would you risk losing any of that and asking me something that you know is ideal for me um, and risk the fact that it, it may not be a good you know, deal for me. So people go through that process, which is the hard, the first sale is the hardest. Once people mm-hmm. go through that, unless you do something egregiously um, violating the person's trust, I mean, just mm-hmm. doing something stupid, you're always going to maintain that level, kind of like a water pump, you know, it takes a hundred pumps to get it from the, from the basin and the water comes up all the way, you know, old school, like on a farm. But after a while, it, you know, w- you don't have to pump a bunch and the water's coming out because you've created this vacuum. And, and I think uh, relationship capital, which is part of the topic today, is, is so important. So it becomes faster with existing uh, no like, no period, like period, trust period uh, candidates that have gone through. And, mm-hmm. you know, the second the second in- enrollment or sale is easier for that reason. The Where I focus on is... The, Going cold to hot, actually going from ice to steam, right? Mm-hmm. Ice water, ice, a block of ice, then, uh, you know, cold, then warm, then hot, then steam. That's, I mean, it's, it's changing, you know, the physical consistency of water. And that's how <laughs> a, a sale is. I don't think there are three stages, you know, cold, warm, hot. Right. I think there's ice to steam. So mm-hmm. that's what I focus on. Um, with with these folks, so I deal with the very, you know, the, like a genius network at the very high level, and then I, I I deal at the very beginner level, and there are a lot more of the beginners, and the challenge is they've never been taught, and they think, wow, when uh, this person gets a sale, that reputation evolves, and then it becomes easier and easier and easier, whereas just starting out is the hardest part. So what we do is. Um, we make sure that they're pre-qualifying 80% of the time and promoting 20% of the time. So mm-hmm. the offer isn't even made, assuming they know the offer, but they don't make the offer until there's, they're hyper, hyper pre-qualified. And that's where I think most people get into trouble. Joe, I'll ask you. It's like when you jump straight to the solution, when you haven't really defined the problem or even found it yet in, a, in an interaction or a transaction, that's when you're offending someone because they don't feel you know, understood. And you kind of, you're leaping before you're looking. Whereas if you keep pre-qualifying until they say, just tell me what you have to sell. <laughs> and then at that point, you know, they're, they're in the buying mode. Like what, what are your thoughts about that, Joe? Well, you know, it kind of goes back to a couple of, I mean, you can always use analogies or metaphors, you know, people support what they help to create, you know, that, that one. And, uh, you know, if, uh, 
if you want to sell, sell what John Smith uh, buys, you got to see through John Smith's eyes or, you know, Judy's eyes, <laughs> whatever you want to say it. But the, the thing is, is if, you know, it's, it, the analogy I, I always like using is, is going back to the, you know, the, the um, reputation of the pushy car salesman where you go onto the lot and they immediately launch into like you're a, you know, just a, a prey that they need to sell something to. And they haven't even identified what you're even looking for. And they're immediately just trying to pressure you. And so people love to be sold. They hate to be pressured. And so in mm-hmm. those sort of situations, it's, it's really a timing thing. I mean, a lot of times just, uh, if, if you just ease people into it, uh, it's, you know, if they, if you, uh, let them plan the fight, they don't fight the plan. That's usually used for management of, of employees and team members and stuff, but it also works that way with, uh, you know, customers, clients, patients, prospects, where it becomes their idea. If you engage in a uh, ongoing dialogue, uh, with someone and, and a lot of times people just don't realize these additional, steps. And I'll tell you this, though. I mean, I think it has to also come down to uh, initially just understanding the mindset of the person that you're trying to sell and, and offering to. And not always does it need to be ethical because there's a lot of people that understand the psychology that don't really give a shit about the people that they're selling stuff to. However, uh, actually caring about your clients uh, in the same way that you would care about a friend. You're, someone that's a real important human to you, you're not trying to push things onto them. It, 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 you know, you can't force a, a plant or a tree to grow quicker than it can actually grow. I mean, and, and that's what happens is people try to force a sale before they've actually, you know, prepared and even made sure it's the right thing. I, I mean, we, so... Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Preach. Yeah, preach. Now, I was going to say, you know, part of the thing when I look at the conversion process, you've hit it on the head that they're trying to rush it, right? Like I look at it that in, in, when somebody shows up, um, you know, they've, they've opted in for something. It's the, they've never liked you more than that moment in your relationship, right? It's the peak experience so far. Now, what you're really looking for on there are what I, call five-star prospects, right? You're looking for people who are willing to engage in a dialogue, who are friendly and cooperative, who know what they want, who know when they want it, and would like us to help them. Those are the five things that have to be true in order for us to forge a relationship with somebody. But what most people do is they start that process from the bottom up. They start with, here's what I got for you, and you should buy it right now. That's We're trying to impose um, our timeline on somebody rather than discovering whether they are willing to engage in a dialogue and that they know what they want before you make the prescription. You know, And I think that any kind of resistance that we get to selling or is often just you know, premature prescription without really That's knowing right. or without understanding. Yeah. Without, yeah. without diagnosing. And so the reason that my, um, the email dialogues work so well in converting leads at a high level is because there's no, it's not about trying to sell somebody something. It's not making an offer right out of the gate. It's because I know that they have to be all five of those, right? They have to be willing to engage. 
They have to be friendly and cooperative. They have to know what they want, know when they want it, and uh, and want us to help them. So why not just start with the first one, right? Let's just engage in the dialogue. And when somebody opts in, send them an email that says, hey, Alex, thanks for downloading the adult acne cure. How often do you get breakouts? Well, this is what's interesting that that you bring this up because um, my expertise is now, I didn't think I'd consult anymore, but it's just so much fun. It's training sales teams who are not salespeople. They have to be coaches because salespeople are not good at this. They become too impatient. So I only go to coaching organizations to do this. And coaches in my 20 years don't like to sell. They're really good at coaching, but they don't like to get people into their business, which is the business. So I've Mm -hmm. actually applied, uh, and this is the first time I'm I'm mentioning it. It's the first time on this show. I've applied what I learned with Joe with stick strategies and robotic marketing and making things else. And what I've learned from you, Dean, in uh, having that dialogue with the nine-word email, but prior to that, we go back many years, many other aspects of you know what I've learned. And the concept is for a high-end client, a $10,000 client, let's just say, that, that would be high-end, mm-hmm. let's get you a new coach. This works for 100000 200000 and, and it's proven. Um, what we do is before there's any H2H, any human-to-human interaction, which is the only type of business we're in. Ryan Dice reminded me that. It's not B2B or B2C. It's H2H. It's a dialogue, not a corporation. Mm-hmm. We're talking to a human. So the way this begins is, first, you have the offer. So you got to know what you have, right? And the offer is whatever it is. And we don't have time to go into offer um, creation, but it's got to be something that's irresistible and hopefully when they're done with it and they've solved that problem, there's another one. And when they've solved that problem, there's another one. So there's some sort of an ascension. So I look at three offers going into the future. And Lisa Sassovitz taught me that, you know, PS, 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 problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution. And sometimes it takes three years. So let's say you have that. Well, the starting point is never human. Uh, It's an email. It's a mobile text. It's some kind of communication going up where they have a gift of some kind, which is a PDF, and a video explanation of the gift, which is seeding the offer, which is all the way down on the horizon a week, two weeks, sometimes a month later. But that gift uh, doesn't even require an opt-in, Dean, or Joe, because they're already on your list, right? So Mm -hmm. the assumption is they're on your list. There's no opt-in. You don't need a sub-list for this. And it's a PDF, and there's an infographic many times. And then you're describing it. For me, it's what happens in the discovery session, right? So I have like a 20-minute explanation, 13 questions, boom. And then a few days later, you know, we're, we're communicating and dialoguing. Is, is, would you be interested? I've used the nine-word email for this, by the way, which is mm-hmm. the competition. Um, we get them any way they can to come to an intake page. An intake is like an application, but it's more like a diagnosis and this is all robotic, no human to human, except through the internet, through mobile texting, et cetera. Sometimes to our help desk, so to our online support. So they come to that intake page, there's a video of me explaining what's down below. Uh, and this has been tested with lots of digital marketers, many of whom are in you know, Genius Network. And then they complete the intake. Now, obviously, not everyone completes the intake, but those who don't, 
we can remarket to them, which is more dialogue, right? So they complete the intake. The next step after that, so gift, intake, next step is there's a thank you page. And the thank you page, here's the key. Remember, high-end um, offer we're making. The thank you page is uh, another video, very brief, of me saying, look, I don't know if you qualify or don't. We're processing you know, your intake. We're going to diagnose it. But um, if you'd like to participate in a discovery session, um, it's not a strategy session. Discovery session, just um, uh, you got to put in a refundable deposit. So the deposit ranges from 100 to 500 bucks. I'd like 150, 150 bucks, sweet spot. So just to participate in the discovery session with one of our coaches, they put down 150 bucks. Many times we authorize the credit card. We don't even charge it. But if they don't show up, we charge them, right? Now that's key mm-hmm. because once I learned that, people showed up and those people converted four to six times better than the no cost showing up at the discovery session people, right? And then after they submitted their 150, we use Infusionsoft, then they schedule. So they schedule with the coach. And then now there's human interaction, intervention after about four to five steps of pre-qualification where they've gone through a sequence of hoops. That's marketing. That marketing is, it's like a, it's like a force field. It's a shield preventing that, that human to avoid anticipating rejection, which they're deathly afraid of because they have an intake. The intake is strategically worded. And now they have all this, like a doctor, all this, you know, intelligence that they can pull from. And then we have a, a process that we take them through. And uh, through that discovery session, many times, you know, whether it's funds, they don't have them, or they're not, you know, qualified, they don't have an existing business. They're sometimes disqualified throughout, but it's never a rejection. And then we offer mm-hmm. them something that they could either do for free or pay for at a much lower level. But if they, if they actually pass and they've chosen the offer and they know that, you know, they can afford it through financing or single pay, well, they just had a call with the setter, volleyball, right? Now the mm-hmm. next call is going to be with the with not the closer, as a lot of sales teams talk about. I, I call it the spiker. I like volleyball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, the spiker. spiker relies on the setter. The, the setter's job is to make a recommendation, and this is all on video, not phone, because people don't multitask on video, like on Zoom, let's say. And so yeah. now the setter shows up and actually schedules the next session with the spiker. Who really? That's the salesperson. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's someone I've taught. And um, for me, it's for 100k clients, though, so it's significant. So now they've gone through about 45 minutes of discovery, which is purely clarifying that they're qualified. So yeah. my job as the spiker is to verify if the setter was clear. Who I'm going to pay a little bit of that sale if, they, if we get it. They're salaried usually, and then if everything matches the the intake because you know we're going to be with this person for a for a while so then those guys show up they say hey alex this is john john is this 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 and this here's the swot analysis this is what they want to do this is what they've chosen and i recommend them did i miss anything john john says yes as a matter of fact you did you you missed this this and this five minutes after that introduction where the center is there and the candidate, we don't call them prospects or leads because that's not human. <laughs> the candidate is right there in front of me. The first question I ask is, okay, so John, you went through this process. You know you're not the only candidate. 
applying for this. Why do you think you're a good fit? It's the first question. And so the spiker call, and I've done this for four years, it's generated eight figures. Um, what happens is there's very little rejection because um, the candidate disqualifies themselves, which is why it's all selling aside. The marketing is the gravity that's pulling through the sale, but there's not one transaction. There's not one close. There's probably two to 300 mini trial closes along the way where we're tapping the rock. And then at the very end, then we start. And then if they say yes, and we say yes, we indoctrinate them. And on that, you know, 150th tap of the rock, you know, that metaphor, it splits and we have um, a new sale. So mm -hmm. that's the high end process that, you know, we devise. And, you know, it's, it's templatized. There's a funnel for it. I can't wait to show you guys because, you know, it works after like three or four years. It's not a fluke anymore. But the biggest takeaway <laughs> is there's no rejection. I mean, there is yeah. some. Like, let's say they lied. But there's very little. And the it's not the rejection that the person feels who's going to do the selling. Um, it's the anticipating of the rejection. And that really awkward moment from when they go from teaching or fact-finding to sales. But if you can if you can take the seam out of that process through robotics and dialogue, like I learned from both of you, then we're having a conversation at the very end where I have my ally who I've trained, the setter, and I'm I'm just kind of dinking them over the cliff, and they're not going into the ocean; they're going into like a padded a padded bed. <laughs> it's really comfortable for whatever next journey they're going to take. Now, this works in almost any industry, but manufacturing that, you know, I've, I've tested and I've been testing and testing and testing it. And I didn't know, come up with the podcast until I knew, Hey, I'm confident. Take shots at this. This works. Right. And so now I find myself training other organizations, many of whom, you know, where I'm teaching their teams to do it. Um, so that, you know, they can, if let's say the front end of a launch didn't work in two weeks, they didn't get the numbers they wanted, but this is the back end. Because they have all those candidates, why not continue the dialogue, you know, after they exhale a bit and, and turn them into a, a high-end client? So that's the essence of all selling aside. I like to focus on high-end because, um, you know, low-end I think is just as difficult, but you don't, you don't make as much money. And, Joe, for anyone who knows, you were the first. Nobody, nobody came before you. <laughs> 25K, bam, and that's been going on ever since. <laughs> you raised the bar, Joe. Well, you know, other than hanging out with Dean all these years, I think I've done a lot of things to raise the bar. Um, <laughs> I'm totally kidding, Dean. Uh, anyway. here's, um, the the, here's the thing with Joe, though. I, I mean, That's this what... goes back 20 years, and, and now I'm doing enrollments at, at the, um, what do you call it, at the, uh, at the Genius Network big event, right? It's like almost 20 years ago, no, let's say uh, 12 years ago. I've known Joe for 20 Um he asked me to pay 25K to meet with guys and gals who I knew. Mm. And back then, it didn't occur to me that that was the smartest 25K I could have paid. And I said no to him. And I said no year after year. And now I have this confessional sales presentation, which does very well, actually, to enroll new people saying, don't make that mistake. It's not about mm. ROI. It's about the cost of inaction. It's about COI. 
if you're not in that room with other people that Joe's put together, then it doesn't matter if you know them or not. See, that, that was like, that was a loss of 10 years. I actually apologized to Joe two years ago about that. I said, do you forgive me for that? <laughs> he, 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 I think he gave up after two years, but that was the dumbest mistake I made of not joining. And now it's like, Jesus, can't get out. I mean, that would be crazy. So just in. Once no, they you in, you can't get out, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the hotel. It's like Hotel California. Um, <laughs> no, that... Godfather's that, <laughs> There, there's, you know, well, first, thanks. That, that was that was a great description. Secondly, um, you know, I, I people watch cooking shows all the time, and they can just be glopped in front of the screen. I was saying this to my trainer uh, yesterday. We were working out in his gym, and on, he has, you know, a couple of flat screen TVs uh, in front of the exercise bikes, and you know, the volume was on mute, but. Uh, there was like a cooking show going on. And I said to him, I go, you know, people, they just like, people just love porn. And I said, you know, it's food porn or it's financial porn or it's, you know, and and I go, you know, people just watch these things and, and, and whatever interesting category somebody's into, they're just looking for this thing. And I would sit and think that if there's any recipe, any cooking show that anyone in business if you really wanted to build and grow, it would be like listening to our podcast, listening to Alex's new podcast, you know, learning every sort of recipe. Because you said a very interesting thing. I think you said, you know, after two years, I finally got it down. I mean, you just kind of said that real quickly as you were describing what you were just describing. But like people don't realize that this stuff takes years for us to learn and test and do things and then say, here's the strategy, here's the conversion technique, you know, here's here's the best customer acquisition methodology, here's the best conversion strategy we've discovered. And that's what we have talked about continuously on I Love Marketing as it relates to marketing. And I know that's exactly what you're going to be talking about all the time on All Selling Aside, is you got these success recipes and you're a master chef and you've been doing this stuff for 20 years and you've learned how to do this and you're going to break it down and you're describing, and you're going to show people. And that's kind of what we do, which is an incredible service. And, and the interesting thing too is the stuff that we give away for free, like what we've even talked about here. And there's a, there's a good side and a bad side to this. The good side is like it's free and everyone listening to it like has total access to it. The bad side is to it, as we all know, you know, if you don't pay, you don't pay attention. And sometimes people have a different sort of listening. You know, what I learned about charging $25,000 uh, for and is people, you know, I would do 25K. I would do Genius Network. We even have a $100,000 group, Genius X. I would do that stuff even if I didn't get paid for it. I mean, I, I literally love it. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, I've, you know, I've got different ways that I make money. Uh, that's one great way that I make money. However, if I gave it away for free, though, it wouldn't work because it would just the, the dynamic of it would completely change uh, and all that sort of stuff. But the, the you know the beauty of of all of this, even the way that Dean had broken down all of the stages and steps and what we have on I Love Marketing uh, with the eight uh, profit activators, these are necessary ingredients like to to make the business work. The way, the way that I describe it, if you're going to you know, I'm, I'm pretty much grain free right now. I'm at that phase of my life where I'm not eating any grains. Um, I had a pizza though when I went to New York. Uh, when was that? 
three weeks ago. Oh my God, that was what happened? Good, man. Well, no, it, must have no, it, it was so it was so delicious, but you know, of course, the next day because uh, you did know, you feel uh, bad the next day? That's no, awesome. it's it's like, it's like a grain hangover. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, right. Uh, ah. But but basically, you know, you can have all the ingredients to to bake bread or make pizza or whatever. But if you don't have yeast, you know, the bread's not going to rise. And and marketing and selling is what is needed to make the bread rise. You could have everything else. You could have products. You could have services. You could have concern and care. You can actually really be helpful to people. But if you don't have if if you don't have that necessary ingredient the most important you know there's there's very few people that go out of business not it does happen but there's very few people that go out of business because they're selling too much you know? got too many sales yeah yeah i mean there are times where people have made so many sales that the the delivery ends up getting so screwed up and the customer service gets so screwed up you know which is more of a management you know issue than anything there are those sort of situations but it's so rare i mean you know i mean you you rarely see you know going out of business sale it's cuz they're not selling enough right that's that's their that's their final strategy going out of business sale you know, and and so the the the, the, the point Finally, is we're selling something. Yeah, you know the the point is all of this is a is a process. So, Alex, what I'd like to do because you touched on why uh, you know ROI selling doesn't work. Um, go into that a little bit deeper, and then I want to ask you about uh, some areas that you're incredibly skilled at, such as repurposing and all that sort of stuff. So, t- talk about why ROI selling. Uh, doesn't work well ROI stands for return on investment and at the risk of offending any sales trainer um, I'm just gonna say this is my belief because I've seen that I can't train non salespeople people who aren't good at the the skills of persuasion or, or influence I can't I've never been able to teach them in over 20 years um, how to sell via ROI, if they're not good at that skill set. Now, if they're good at their skill set, you can teach through ROI, which is, hey, you give me 100K and this is going to be worth 200K. You give me 25K, this is going to be worth 250K, which is the genius network promise. Because if you have the track record, if you have the relationship capital, if you have the case studies, the testimonials, the endorsements, well, those are all ways to help put ROI to tip the scales in your favor. But the challenge with ROI when you're starting out or you don't have a reputation is that it's not provable. It's it's non guaranteeable Mm -hmm. I can't can't guarantee you're going to get an ROI. What I can say is, all right, Dean, I'm going to give you the electricity, but you got to flip the freaking switch. And I know a lot of people who don't flip the switch and blame me for their lack of ROI. So I... I turned that on its head after lots of frustration. And about a decade ago, I started playing with something. You know, I'm big on words um, and acronyms. So I wanted an OI, and I thought, what could it be OI? How about COI? So if ROI is about point B, right? You give me, I'm going to put you 100K in the hole, but I'm going to show you how to fill the hole up and have 100K more, right? If that's point B, that's where you want to be, let's say. 12 months from now. Okay, well then, that's something I'm moving towards. But what about cost of inaction? Even the the godmother of all of them, cost of indecision, right? What's the cost of not taking action? 
Whereas ROI focuses on the investment coming back, COI focuses on just making a change. So in our presentations, in our dialogues, the whole focus is establishing, okay, what do you want as an ROI? Let me say uh, 10,000 a month, great. Where are you at right now? 5,000 a month, good. So the cost of inaction by not making the change where you want to be, they didn't tell me, I didn't tell them 10K, they told me, right? So this is like jujitsu, this is like judo, right? So marketing judo, verbal. So, so where you want to be, 10,000, where you are now, 5,000, then is it fair for me to assume the cost of not taking action to be where you want to be is about 5,000 a month. They go, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm not losing 5K a month. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I didn't say you're losing 5,000 a month. Because, <laughs> you know, they, they think we're trying to trick them sometimes. They go, because you're not making the change, your cost of not taking the action, well, what action shall I take, they say. I go, I have no idea. We just started this thing. But I just want to establish that we're defining reality because you can never underestimate the power of denial. And so they go, yeah, $5,000, I need to make that shift. Great. Well, um, why do you think you're not getting that? And then all of a sudden you ferret all these you know, reasons that they have. They could be unsupported beliefs or they could be you know, real. And what happens if it continues six months from now, you're still at 5K? Okay, what other roadblocks are getting in the way? They could say divorce. They could say I've moved. They can say I had a um, split with my partner, whatever. But you're discovering stuff. I haven't even made the offer, right? And the whole thing with COI is focused on making change. It's not on selling you my offer. So then as what, this is a discovery session. You know, this is part of, you know, the gift that I give people when I'm teaching them this method, the COI method. And really, it's a cost of indecision, you know. And so when you finally get them to the point where they're ready to hear the offer, now they're hyper, hyper pre-qualified. And remember, they've, they've given the deposit, they've scheduled, they've showed up, they've done the intake. There's all that other stuff before. It's all dialogue, uh, Dean. But when mm -hmm. they finally get to the point where this is the point where everyone sucks, most people do, where they're shifting from the seating part of the sale to the actual selling, right? They make that switch. I see it on stage. I, I see people get nervous. I see it in their conversation. There's like, uh, 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 there, there's like this huge seam between, you know, what was a conversation and now it's going to go into what they think is the close. And so we don't do that because when we teach the coach to do it, they feel uncomfortable. It, they have this like nervous sensation and then that energy doesn't transfer well, you know, because it's about transferring confidence. At sales, right? And so once we've established there is hope, like there is a point B, now we're going to talk about how to get there. So we say, look, on a, on a scale of you know, zero to 10, how inspired or motivated are you to make a change? And they go, I don't know, uh, nine. And then we'll say, why didn't you rate it lower? Something that Dan Pink taught me. And they go, what do you mean lower? Why didn't you rate it lower? And they defend that their score. What would make mm -hmm. it a 10? They tell me they're 10. Great. Now we're at a 10. They're willing to make a change. Listen to this. Here's the pivot question. Anyone can do it. Is it okay if I share with you what making a change looks like with us? That's like, can I pitch you now? And Beautiful. then we dive in. Yeah, it's just elegant. So the, in ROI, that doesn't exist. With ROI, is here's what we got. 20,000 other people have done it. Or 10 people have done it. Or, you know. 15,000 people have done it, and you can do it too. That is not convincing. 
that is not influential unless you have a very strong persuader on the other end delivering that and has a lot of relationship capital. But someone who doesn't have that, doesn't have the benefit of years of experience or case studies, if you seduce, like breadcrumb, navigation, right? If you just, if you pull them in through the cost of inaction dialogue, it's not only more fun, but there's very little rejection and it's actually coaching. We're having them sell through a storytelling dialogue process, which, they're, which they enjoy doing. They just don't enjoy selling because they look at it differently. We're just making the selling part identical to the coaching part. And the reason I say coaching is, you know, coaching is pretty catch-all term. It could be consulting or, or any mm-hmm. kind of service business. It works in financial services, et cetera. Um, now, I don't have the, the benefit of showing you graphics and stuff like that, but does that give enough mental picture of, of what COI looks like? Yeah, yeah totally. you know, it's really interesting because, um, you know, that's been kind of a secret copywriting weapon of mine for a lot of years is that cost of, of inaction and not using those words, but that sentiment, you know, if you go all the way back to the sales letter for stopyourdivorce.com, which, you know, has been selling every single day since 1998. One of the things that the PS of that does is mm-hmm. illustrate, I think, Alex, exactly what you're saying, you know? So it the does. PS, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. PS, how many of the 44 strategies in Stop Your Divorce will work for you? I don't know. What I can tell you is over, and we have to update this now, but what I can tell you is over 8,000 people just like you have read Stop Your Divorce since 1998, and I get phone calls every day from people praising the book and telling me how their lives have changed. Their spouses are back and loving, and they still can't believe it. So let's say you didn't buy this book. Where will that leave you? Will you get your mate back using your current strategy? Probably not. Will you be kicking yourself for the rest of your life if you didn't try everything possible to save your relationship? Absolutely. I can't make the decision for you. It's 100% up to you. I can help you, but you've got to take the first step. If you get stuck or need private counseling, I've included my phone number and contact information in the book so you don't have to go through this alone. But that P.S., paints the picture and allows them to experience the continuation of the path that they're already on. The reason yeah, they're they, reading this book is because they really want the outcome, but everybody is right. always resistant to change. And so you have to, it's brilliant to counter it with get the continuation of the current path you're on. They know, they've, they've already calibrated ROI. I mean, they know mm-hmm. what the extra money is or the extra time is. But one thing like Joe and I have talked about is they don't calibrate or dimensionalize or they don't put an actual measurement on what they're losing. Yeah. And it doesn't just need to be money. I mean, I have a, a couples therapist who says on a scale of zero to 10, where do you want to be 12 months from now? And they, they say 10. Great. Where are you now? Five. Okay. Mm-hmm. So is it okay for me to show you how to at least get to a seven or eight in the next few months so that you're on your path to a 10? Would you be willing to explore that? So you're kind of, um, you're actually putting a value on the loss. It's not just the loss and the pain point, which a lot of well, it allows you to, teach. it allows you to put a quantitative measure on a qualitative yeah. thing. Exactly. And that's where, exactly. um, that's what using scorecards 
in a lot of ways is like that. Like we have, um, I have a profit activator scorecard that people can uh, fill out that has statements for each of the eight profit activators that kind of let people uh, that resonate with them. So it's, it's mm-hmm. on Dan Sullivan's model of the scorecards of, you know, there are four columns and they rate themselves on one of those with two scores, the score where they are now and their aspirational score where they want to be. And we use that as, um, as a start to a conversation, you know, because I know that when people fill out the eight profit activator, um, scorecard that if they're, what I look for is if they're crystal clear on on Profit Activator 1, who they want to select as their target market, and they're high on Profit Activator 5 delivering the results, if they rate themselves low on Profit Activator 2, 3, and 4, the lead getting and converting, that that's somebody that I can help. Right. We, if somebody's low on actually getting results for people, that requires more thinking or more uh, that requires more help than just helping them bridge that lead generation and lead conversion gap. Mm. Let's ch- check that out, Alex. That, it's Smart. Uh, yeah. Profit. It's like knowing where to tap on the pipe that's clogged. Right. It's like it's, yeah. that's really cool. It's just, well, the yeah. first thing I do when I go into Joe's office where all of us met last time at the Genius Network, is we fill out a scorecard of yep. where we think where we are, are with multiple, multiple dimensions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, let, let me ask you about the uh, um, why repurposing is superior to SEO, because I definitely want to make sure we cover <laughs> that. Okay. That's always an interesting one. Well, that's, that is direct. You're going to think I'm kissing up to you, but I'm not. This is true. This is direct result of something Dean told me over five years ago. He says, I push a button, I push another button, and everything else gets activated. And that was discussing a broadcast that he had. So for me, I like to do the content once. I like video because I can repurpose the audio and the written word automatically. But if I write, Mm -hmm. then I got to do video, you know, and audio. So it's more work. So in, in Dean's you know, tradition of looking at my watch out of curiosity, which I've never forgotten. I heard it 20 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I don't think I forgot that, man. So um, Dean, Dean inspired the repurposing thing, which I've been teaching for years. But imagine uh, you push broadcast. I do on Friday at noon. And I push end broadcast. And it's on Facebook Live now. It used to be webinar. Then before that, it was teleseminar. And then that I have video. I'm done. And I move on to something else, and I have um, all my my minions of of um, workers. Some have higher skills than others who I've taught to do their thing. So one, you know, puts the bumpers on the video so it can go into my members area, which is paid. That's repurposing. Another one chunks it, puts it into my YouTube channel on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because I usually teach in three different chunks. So those three different ten minute day parts or parts in it. Um, that goes into um, other uh, video directories like Vimeo and others, um, uh, BitChute these days. And then you have the audio. We have audio as a podcast. Uh, you got Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes. Um, you got audio 
uh, in the form of uh, audio on your blog um, if you have a blog that you know, plays audio, which you should. Yeah. And so all these things are getting repurposed. And what's happening is you have one message, but you have multiple different channels. So I disagree when people think the book is the message or the show is the message. In my case, the pot, my new podcast, I'm the message. Like, Joe, mm-hmm. you're the message with Genius Network, okay? And Dean, you're the message with whatever it is you're launching. And then mm-hmm. so in looking at a metaphor, the message is like the hub of a bicycle wheel. And then the market is the wheel itself. It's the outside part. And so a hub and a wheel are meaningless without spokes. And repurposing is each spoke. One spoke's a book. Another spoke's a, a, a Twitter a tweet. Another spoke's a, a Facebook Live. Another spoke is Facebook post. Another spoke is a YouTube channel. And you can have 30 spokes and connect the wheel so that you have a really strong wheel. You're the hub. That's the message. The spokes are the media sources, which I call the repurposing channels. And then the wheel is the market. Not everyone wants to buy something on television. Some people like to buy it in retail. Some people buy on radio. So you have the same product or message. It doesn't even need to be sold. It could be free like this, but it's going to be received in different ways. And so I don't think people repurpose enough. I think rather than writing a book every two years, like best-selling authors, write one book and repurpose it for 10 years, like Stephen Covey Start did. the conversation. Where you, yeah. you know, that you're right on. I just can't say enough about that because this whole approach, like, um, you know, I'm doing this right now with a, uh, I wrote a new uh, book for my realtors called Listing Agent Lifestyle. And mm-hmm. I, it's a 90 minute book and it's, you know, I'm using it right now to generate um, all, all the leads that you can um, imagine. We're getting opt-ins in the two to 250 range. I get as many as I, I uh, want. And the podcast that I have on the back of that is the ongoing conversation. Now it's just like I look at the podcast, this conversation, this dialogue, all this repurposing that you're talking about. This is really the way forward. I think, you know, it's all of this. It starts with the getting somebody who resonates with the message on the cover of the book. I'm gathering people who are attracted to this idea of the listing agent lifestyle, building a listing centric real estate business. And then I'm carrying that journey on that conversation is ongoing through the podcast, through the community that we're building at go, go agent and that whole, uh, it'll never, um, the never ending conversation. Yeah. Your table of contents, and like when Joe sent me the the manuscript of his book, I like I yellow highlighted it, underlined it, tapped it. Remember that, Joe? I sent you a picture. Like your table of contents, Dean, is your editorial calendar to repurpose yes. into the future for at least two that's years. Exactly. That's exactly right. Then now all of the podcasts that I do fit into one of the eight elements of the listing agent lifestyle. And you can revisit again and again. Absolutely. And they're constantly evolving and you're involving the community. You're involving the people who are, um, you know, who are following along with that. 
And it's much well, more it's, of a conversation than, than uh, you know, this tome that you lock yourself away right. for, you know, months or years to write. And then, ta-da! Bum, bum, well, the, bum. the thing with repurposing, going book. back to... Yeah. Exactly. Well, the thing with repurposing that people get, we get tired of our own stuff before our our tribe does. And so one thing that uh, Danny Iney taught me, which is the mastermind where my podcast was named, he said, look, there's a difference between literacy and fluency. So mm. we get to we get our tribe to just being literate at something. They get good. But to be really good at something, to be great at it, you know, from good to great, that's that's fluency. And fluency takes time, just like Joe said, he was talking about, you know, it took two years or three years for me to master this. If there's any doubt about that, go and get a recipe book, find a cake recipe, look at that cake on the left-hand side of the page, look at all the ingredients on the right-hand side, <laughs> follow the instructions, and see if that freaking cake comes out the same way it never does. <laughs> I think there's a, whole, uh, there's a whole subreddit for that. so the the fluency part is where i think many marketers and i wanted to say this for a long time so i appreciate the the platform many marketers um sell themselves short because they're not as good as they think they are in many cases they're better and they just need to keep teaching the same content but from a different angle like a different Mm. facet on a diamond you know it's the same Mm -hmm. thing but you're just looking at it from a different angle where you're learning more and getting more in from it. And there's a, there's this gap between literacy and fluency. So repurposing allows that transition to be a lot more fluid and don't write as many books, just focus on the same book in different ways. It's really, and I think a lot of that goes to having a, a bedrock contextual foundation for what you're doing. Like we look at the, I look at the eight profit activators like that, that that's a, um, it's a bedrock thing that was equally valid 20 years ago and is going to continue to be valid as a contextual framework 20 years That's from right. now. But the content, the content and the ways and the things that we have available to execute the eight profit activators are continually evolving. Yeah, well, it's let- very important to own a context. You know, if you can, if you can frame a context. That's the frame. That, That's the frame yeah. I was talking about. If the frame is messed up, then uh, like, for example, when, when we go into the morning panel on a Saturday morning at Genius Network and there's 90 candidates, of which I want all of them, but I know I'm not going to get them all. They have been framed to have already been pre-qualified with an application. They've been at an event. There've been a few pre-trial closes before. They've already paid paid 10k, so 15,000 more, and they're in for mm-hmm. the year. That frame is tight. If that frame isn't tight, then I'd get complaints like, "Oh man, Alex is trying to pinch pitch me," or "What is this panel? They're trying to sell us into this thing." We don't get any of that. Mm-hmm. But there can be other panels where you do because the frame was not set up properly, and people f- focus on the close, right? They focus on the painting <laughs> when really it's the frame that allows that painting really to shine. I mean, you can do a Jason Pollock painting and put it in a shitty frame and sell it for 15 bucks, which it has been. Or you can put it in a beautiful frame and sell, sell it for $60 million, which it has been. So the frame That's is it. the thing. And no, that, 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 that's what I'm trying to say, basically. 
Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, I've never heard you this silent run. ever before, man. I can't believe it. <laughs> well, you know what? The thing's about to get good because Dean needs to leave. So, Dean, know. why don't you just why don't you just hop off, and then I'm going to wrap okay. up with uh, with uh, Alex uh, because All right. uh, yeah, okay. Right, so that was so great. Yeah, we love Thank you, you too. Man. Your contributions were. All right, see you, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. In the middle oh, of a podcast, we're like, yeah, let's bail off this one dude. Okay, it's like a hitchhiker or something, right? <laughs> I know, and this is like this is like audio porn, but we're kind of creating it, right? <laughs> so I, I know it's so. We're funny. kind of like let's... the porn stars in marketing right now. <laughs> it should be this one should be I lust marketing. <laughs> that is comedy. It's total comedy. Um, well, here, let me let me do this just for timing purposes. Um, I want you to talk about why seeding is the new selling, because I know you're you're really good at explaining this. Well, okay, so confession, transparency, I've been doing it this whole uh, show. So if I have an intention, like what's my call to action? Well, the first goal in marketing, I was taught, start with the call to action. What's the call to action? Well, it's the offer. It doesn't have to be for pay. It could be free, right? So you start with the CTA first. Begin with the end in mind. You know, what, what is that, right? And Benjamin Disraeli first said that, by the way, Prime Minister of England, and then it was repurposed by Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Quotes get repurposed a lot. And so you, you start with the CTA. Mine is all selling aside. Now, you haven't heard me say allsellingaside.com or allsellingaside.com forward slash iTunes. I just did. <laughs> but you haven't heard me say it throughout because what happened, and I like to tell on myself as we go because it's fun, especially for who's listening. What happens is if you sell too soon, that's offensive and people shut you down. But if you seed, like I have, I just was talking about this All Selling Side podcast and I told the truth throughout. Like everything I've said has been. The truth, I, I, I know where the original ideas came from and how I put these two things together. And both of you guys had a lot to do with it. And I said where the name came from, you know, to the exact city in the mastermind. And I named those people. Well, those are all, that's all seeding. I don't know if you know any of those people, but if you do, that's another hash mark for like. Now, if you don't like the person, then I get a negative score. <laughs> you know, right, like right. the hash mark, so you got you got to be careful, right? So um, seeding is the new selling means why sell? Why not just sprinkle seeds like you would, like you would uh, seeds to a tree, right? And then see which ones take root. And then that turns into a trunk, then branches, then leaves, and then fruit. It goes seeds to fruit. Now, here's the part that really irritates me. And I don't know why it does, but you know, maybe I just got to over, overcome it. People talk about root cause. You know, like this, what's the root cause? And, and that's the, the key, right? What, what caused the sale? Root, there's no such thing as root cause. It's seed cause. The seed comes before the root. The acorn turns in and flops into a root, which goes into the trunk and the branches and the leaves. And then where's the fruit? Well, once you have fruit, let's say an apple, where are the seeds? Inside the fruit. That lands on the ground, which causes more seeds, which cause more root, etc. So seeds are the beginning. You know, I don't know if there was a seed to the universe, but, you know, there's different theories about that. So with with um, your offer when you're selling and I say seeding is the new selling, 
I, I think I've been selling throughout, but it's been a seeding process where I know what my call to action is. It's all selling aside. I've mentioned it. I didn't ask anyone to go there. Right? I still haven't asked anyone to go there because I think that you got to earn the right, even though you know, you know me and Dean knows me and probably some people listening know me. It's like if you decide to sell this way, then it's, mo- uh, it's more of a, a, a seduction and you don't know which seeds are going to take root. You never know. So you can seed through storytelling. You can seed through, for example, if you have a mentoring offer, it would be crazy to talk about coaching. You want to use the same seeding play language. So if you're offering mentoring, then make sure that you talk about um, mentoring, not coaching. When I'm making an offer um, to enroll people uh, at Genius Network, which which costs me $25,000 to do, by the way, right? I don't get paid for that. And I say that. Right flat out. Like they, they say, why are you doing it? It's because this is a function of giving back to Joe over 20 years. And there, I have some guilt not joining earlier. And it definitely has probably had an impact on my income. Right? So when you say mastermind, that's one thing. But when you say network, that's something else. So seeding a network would be like, well, the difference between a mastermind and a network is this. Okay, If it was the genius mastermind, that would be like having a treasure map that leads to a treasure chest full of gold and riches. But this is not the genius mastermind. This is the genius network. And a network is more profound. In fact, it's a network of masterminds. Many masterminds have come out of genius network, which you know, Joe. And right. I say it's like having a treasure map that leads to a treasure chest full of other treasure maps. So what would you rather have? A network or a mastermind? So. I'm not minimizing mastermind. I've had them. I've developed them. But when I'm wanting to enroll people in the Genius Network, which you know I do, and, and I do it fairly well, I'm doing it through seeding, not by selling. I'm not saying, hey, join us. Look at us. Look, you'll join all our people here. No, we're seeding the process. And then another thing is, like, why don't people join? Like, what are the objections? Well, what if you have a panel of people and each person on the panel represented one objection? Here's one. It's not the right time. Here's another one. I already know people who are in the network. What do I need to join for? That, that was mine. <laughs> or how about right. this one? I don't have time to attend the events. Or this one. How do I know I have an ROI? What can I be assured of an ROI? Right? Or my business is not right for me. So where seeding is the new selling, what I do is I say, okay, Jason and Allison, okay, I'd like you to represent this objection. I'll set it up as the leader of the panel. I mean, this is actual fact. This is what happens. And Joe, you know it works. You know? And that's we're seeding now and basically taking out all the rocks and the soil, the objections, so that there's room for the roots to take root and then you know, grow this tree. So I stuck with the tree analogy. Analogies are great you know, seeding mechanisms, but it's not about the offer. It's about what needs to happen in order to you to make a change so that you don't have this cost of inaction anymore. And my cost of inaction over 10 years is probably 30 million bucks. What cost hmm. me? Wow. Not, not, not 3 million. It was probably my ROI could have been three extra million, but my COI is probably 30 million uh, because of the networking effect and you know what you've created. But you know, I've done a lot of catching up in the last two years and, um, this, um, I mean, 
this podcast is allowing me to express some things that I'd love to do, but a lot of my students, they're, they're at the beginning stages, and so it doesn't have that same meaning as people who tried to do this, bang themselves against the, bang their head against the wall and say, God, I've been publishing two books a year, and it's so hard to get in bestseller status. Well, no, publish one for 10 years and repurpose that, because what are you doing? You're seeding the book through different no, it, repurposing it, it, exactly. channels. Yeah, so no, that's, exactly. that's what seeding is the new selling is to me. Anyway, I'm sure no, we I, can get comments and they can up that ante on, on that definition. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Well, well, here's here's the thing, too. I mean, one of the things I learned early on with consumer awareness guides and, you know, things that you understand inside and out is that one of the best ways to uh, not only sell people, uh, but one of the most ethical and effective ways to just simply treat people is to uh, educate them on how to make a buying decision. And a lot of, yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, you you take like stick strategy secrets. I mean, we, we mentioned it here. That's another form of seeding. Yeah. Me and Alex, we have a new, you know, we have a new version of, of stick strategy secrets, which is truly one of the very best knowledge products, training products, information products, methodology, strategies all bundled together on what to do after uh, somebody buys from you because that's one of the most neglected and most profitable veins of gold that you could ever tap into. And hardly anyone uh, has any clue on what to do with it other than, you know, there's books written about, you know, client loyalty and stuff, but specific, here's the recipe, here's the strategies, here's the formulas, here's the templates. I mean, we... You know, we we gave that out to people. It's still an amazing program that we did, you know, in 2003, and now we've got a, a new version that we are or we'll be coming out with very soon. But the point is, you know, I mean, educating people on how to make a buying decision is 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 critical, and educating people on how to do this is even more critical. So, uh, talk about uh, how where can people go to download, listen, and share your podcast, all selling aside, and we'll we'll end with that just so people can have. You know, I mean, everything that you you do and teach is totally aligned with what me and Dean do at I Love Marketing, and so it's just going to add uh, cherry to the top of all this for all of our listeners. Okay, thank you. Go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, or go to Google Play. About eighty-five percent will download it from iTunes, and it said "all selling aside." Just type in those words "all selling aside" into the iTunes uh, search, and and you'll get it. And the show notes are at allsellingaside.com. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anything I should have asked you, anything you would like to say that, that we didn't talk about? I mean, I would always love to, I'd love to do a part two with you because there's so many more things that we can discuss here because you're just a fountain of, of, of knowledge and experience. <laughs> so Thank just you. for this, yeah, for this um, episode, anything we didn't cover? Yep. Yeah, there's one thing. And this is more about um, self-healing and self-therapy because I'm never good enough at it, but yet I teach it, right? So it's another, the cobbler's kid's shoes have holes in them. So everyone listening, I'm sure uh, you have heard that, you know, it's it's good to be a giver, you know, to, to give, 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 give first. And we hear that a lot, um, but that's only half of the the cycle. That's, all, that's half of the circle of success. The other half is receiving. And I know a lot of good givers. I'm one. I know you're one. But I know also that those same good givers like me are shitty receivers. And I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's childhood upbringing. Maybe they're blind spots that require therapy or coaching. But I have to really 
think through by saying you're welcome or I'll receive like this podcast, like I asked. And I typically would have said, no, that's okay. We don't have to do it so soon, right? But instead, um, I, I was willing to be a good receiver, which serves the giver. And so whether you're in Genius Network or you've been listening to uh, this podcast, I think if you take a look at the number of times that you're a good receiver versus a good giver, a lot of the resentment of giving too much and not getting back I believe is not always about not getting back from the other source. It's, it's about not being willing to receive it. <laughs> and so if you, put, if, you put, if you put up a wall, you're causing your own resentment. And I'm speaking for myself. I've caused my own resentments over the years of just being a crappy receiver. So um, the final word for me is don't constipate the system for yourself, your family, your company, your colleagues. Be just as good of a receiver as, you know, a giver. And part of receiving is asking, you know, that's, that's half of it. The other half is accepting. <laughs> totally. So that's usually not talked about. And I, I've said that, um, you know, when I go to the big events or the genius network events, because I'm doing it for self healing. Like, you know, um, I'm not in a 12 step program, but one of the most successful ones, Alcoholics Anonymous, the two founders, you know, one was going to be the other person's sponsor, and the person who was going to be a sponsor is Bill W. And Bill W. went to Dr. Bob and said, look, I am, I'm just a complete waste case. I, there's no hope for me. Um, it, it's never going to be worthwhile for you to sponsor me. And to that, Dr. Bob said, the other founder, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for me yeah. <laughs> as a sponsor, you know, to stay in the program because that's how powerful addiction can have on someone's heart, head, and hands. And so I look at it the same way with uh, in business is, you know, I want to give and to receive to complete the cycle. And in giving, it's only giving me another opportunity to receive, not from the source I gave all the time. That's not how karma works, but you know, from another source. And just to be willing to receive. But what do people do? They keep score. They give to a source, and then when they don't get back from that source, then there's the resentment. And I haven't been immune to that. But over the years, I've learned as I've gotten older, and my kids are in their teens, which you know ends up becoming a really you know uh, sober way to learn. <laughs> mm -hmm. you, you're not going to get back from the source you gave to, but what goes around comes around. So that's I don't know if that's too business to W, which is business to woo woo, but for this group. But I waited till the very end to say it just to hopefully I have enough rapport so it's received and not, you know, blocked. Because I think you can do a lot more business if you become a better receiver um, if you don't think you're, you're a good one right now. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, th this is another version of sell people what they want, give them what they need. And the fact is, if you become a better, if you build a better you, every other skill set that you learn, be it selling or marketing or finance or, you know, health, uh, I mean, all, all of it boils down to who is the person that is uh, taking the knowledge and the advice and how are they applying it. Uh, in their lives. And yeah, I mean, I absolutely, you know, uh, life gives to the giver and takes from the taker. And part of being a great giver is also being a great receiver because it, it can't be a one-way street or you, as like you said, you just get filled with, uh, 
you know, you just you give of yourself, but you never get any replenishing back. And, and a lot of times, it's not the world that's doing that to you. It's it's you that's doing that to you. And I think that's what you just pointed out uh, very uh, eloquently. Um, so sometimes thank you. Yes, yeah, so thank you. Sometimes it's just wait for it. You're welcome. <laughs> I just received. I just received your thank you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! Thanks, awesome! <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, Alex, look, it's been, uh, this is great. We, we, we've done our first podcast now on I Love Marketing. Totally look forward to uh, seeing where All Selling Aside goes. If uh, those of you listening, if you'd like to meet Alex in person, uh, he has plenty of his, uh, I'm, well, I'm sure this, you can find out uh, just from, uh, how, how would people find out more Alex? I mean, obviously, All Selling Aside is, is the best place to start. That's the best place to start. Just start there, like, get to, to know me, and if you decide to subscribe, and you rate and review it, that's a good starting point. And those will be the seeds that lead to, you know, there's plenty of breadcrumb navigation, Joe, that comes to the loaf of bread. It's just (laughs) eating the first breadcrumb is the key. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And when we have our uh, our six strategy secrets, uh, uh, 2.0, when we have that ready and uh, prepared to tell the world, you'll, uh, you'll hear about it if you stay in touch. So in the same way, in the same way. Yes. Exactly. So yeah, so go to uh, allsellingaside.com. That's one way, or just subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And uh, if if you have anyone in your life that uh, has a business or a company or a startup or just simply needs to be more effective, then share this episode with them. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of I Love Marketing. Uh, thank you, Alex. Thanks for listening to this episode of I Love Marketing. If you'd like to learn more about the Genius Network annual event, please visit GeniusNetworkEvents.com. That's GeniusNetworkEvents.com. If you would like access to the complete presentation, the show notes, the links, and the special resources for this episode, please visit ILoveMarketing.com forward slash 322. That's ILoveMarketing.com forward slash 322.